0: Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of Lit AF Relationships with me, your host, Sarah Gogan. As always, I'm so excited to be back here with you this week to talk about relationships and attachment styles. I am an attachment coach, I am a relationship and communication coach, and I Help clients basically create secure attachment so that they are vulnerably communicating their needs, sharing boundaries. And today I'm talking with Jessica Stahl, the genius creative behind Vanilla Cool Dance. And we are talking about sharing needs and stating boundaries, both in dating, but then also very much in the bedroom. A lot of sexy talk today. Very exciting. Before I get into the episode, of course, I have my own little check-in. And this week, I'm just so excited to talk with you about this little thing that I've been using this week. So this came from... Actually, I had a lot of synergy in podcast guests. And everyone on the podcast was recommending this book, it's a book called All About Love by Bell Hooks, and I haven't read it, but I had two guests on my podcast talking to me about it. And whenever I have like two people talk to me about it, then I'm like, okay, I gotta go check that out. And one thing that one of the guests was talking about in this book is that the author talks about how in our relationship, we should only in our lives, in our lives, we should be looking at our, our partner meeting 20% of our needs. That means that we're filling up our needs buckets in other ways. We've got friends, we've got work, we've got our career, we've got our spiritual practice, we've got, let's see what else, like a a physical activity, like working on your health, that type of thing, and just like your own connection to yourself. So your mental thoughts and your emotional kind of landscape. So I heard this and I was like, fuck, (laughs) I have a lot of needs right now. I'm, I'm really high needs right now. And I've been looking to my partner to meet 80% of my needs for sure. For sure. And so I'm trying to diversify right now my needs. And it's really interesting using this, uh, this principle because as someone that is a fearful avoidant, I grew up very much with an insecure attachment style. The reason that I love this framework is that I didn't learn how to ask for you know, help when I was feeling dysregulated. So if something happened, let's say it made me upset, I didn't learn how to ask, you know, to share my feelings with my family and then let them help me regulate afterwards saying, you know, I'm sorry, I'm here for you. That's definitely not what I meant. That wasn't my intention. I love you so much. Just basically creating that repair. So because I didn't learn how to do that repair, oftentimes when I'm going into like more charged situations, I can be so dysregulated and expecting that other person to completely satiate, regulate, satisfy 100% of my like dysregulation, which is like, it's actually, if I use this for having a difficult conversation and I'm going into the conversation and saying, I'm only going to ask or expect for you to meet 20% of this need, it's way more satisfying. So I had a little work experience where where I'm really pushing the team to... This is my full-time job, not my coaching job. But at my job, I was pushing my team to do some feedback training because we really need to get in the habit of sharing our needs and being vulnerable with each other because that creates a really healthy company. And we did a training. I had to give my coworkers some feedback because we were having some kind of tough moments where I was feeling really triggered and really activated. And before I went into the conversation, I was like, ding, don't forget, you only need him to help you 20% of this, of this kind of feeling. And that really like took my expectations of the conversation and also took the nervousness out of the conversation and brought it back down to like earth level, which is so nice. (laughs) Always love being at earth level. And I really appreciated it because all of a sudden I was like, I will accept 20%. And if you are meeting that, I'm going to be so happy. And it was such a wonderful, supportive, loving conversation. And I'm sure we're going to have many, many more. So I just love those moments where we're giving and receiving feedback. We're being vulnerable with each other. But while you're doing it, I encourage you to try this out. Just think about that 20%. And then I want you to think about how, what are the other pieces of the pie? So 20% is one fifth of the pie what are the other four pieces of pie that you're going to do to help you regulate? So for me, it was like, I'm going to spend time with my dog. I'm going to journal and I'm going to exercise. And those four things are my thing to like process that emotion, release that emotion. Of course, I'm doing some somatic experiencing because I can't not do that. It's my favorite form of processing emotion. But those are like the activities that I can look at of like, look, these are all the other things I'm going to do to fill that piece of the pie. So I'm loving it happy to share it with you. If you try it, let me know how it goes. I'd love to hear about it. And thanks for just everyone that is recommending this book. I can't wait to read it. I'm sure I'll report back. So I'm very excited to introduce this week's guest. Her name is Jessica Stahl. And she is, she's an artist. She created this character, Vanilla Cool Dance, that you can go enjoy on Instagram and soon to be TikTok. And her bio reads, Heartbroken in Amsterdam, that was Jessica Stahl before she swapped her tears for watercolors. And voila, her cartoon character, Vanilla Cool Dance, was born. Now with a global community of over 57,000, she's smashing stigma stigmas around female empowerment, dating, and sexuality. And anything goes from period sex to pegging and nipple hair to communicating your desires. Her real life inspired cartoons use humor to spark taboo conversations with viral street art campaigns, daily content and empowering workshops. Vanilla cool dance gives you the green light to embrace your unapologetic self. This is such a great conversation. She's all about getting rid of shame and guilt and stigmas in the bedroom and particularly around female pleasure. Which I fucking love. We go into so many fun topics. We, t- <laughs> she talks about the birth of Vanilla Cool Dance and her AIM handle and her username and my AIM handle username, which I feel like is hilarious looking back. We talk about I share about like my first orgasm experience, how I learned about sex, you know, the sex talk that I got from my parents, those types of things. So we go deep. It's super fun. And I'm just so grateful to have had her on the show. So I'm going to stop talking and we're going to get into the episode. Here we go. Hello, Jessica. Welcome to the show. We're so excited to have you.
1: Hi, I'm excited to be here. Thank you for inviting me.
0: Oh my God, of course. So you are the creator genius behind Vanilla Cold Dance, which is one of the like, Like I repost your things the most for sure. (laughs) I don't know if I'm the one that posts the most, but I'm often reposting the amazing. Yeah, yes. (gasps) They speak to me and I feel like you are honestly like drawing situations that I'm trying to teach my clients. Like, okay, how are you going to share your needs? How are you going to communicate for yourself? Like, how are you going to focus on your pleasure in that moment? And it's so cool to just see it in like cartoon life. I love it. Amazing. Thank you. Yeah. It's also like so empowering. Anyway, I'm going on and on, but before we get into (laughs) it, I'd love for you just to tell us a little bit about Vanilla Cool Dance. How did she get started? What's her origin story? Yes, definitely. Vanilla
1: Cool Dance's origin story. So Vanilla Cool Dance was born from my lowest point in the past eight years. I had booked a one-way ticket to Amsterdam after my ex-boyfriend broke up with me out of the blue. And I ended up living with 17 Dutch housemates in this tiny illegal room. And it was just kind of this sitcom of a situation. (laughs) And I was unemployed, heartbroken, and it was not where I had expected to be in my mid-20s. But rather than just being defeated by my situation and by my embarrassment, I decided to turn everything that was embarrassing me into empowered stories to reclaim my own narrative and become a more confident version of myself. And that's how Vanilla Cold Dance was born. And the screen name, Vanilla Cold Dance also has an equally interesting story, I think. And it was my very first AIM screen name. Yeah, listening knows what that was. Do you know? Oh yours? My God,
0: I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember your screen name? Oh yeah, it was Sarah at seven sixty nine, which Ooh, is like
1: had a sixty nine in there. Uh
0: huh. I sure did. <laughs> I sure did. And I was definitely like using that to chat with like who knows where, probably just teenage boys across the world. Oh my gosh, amazing! Yeah, all
1: the <laughs> chat rooms from the oh area. Such a oh. time. I was really embarrassed about my screen name. So Vanilla was my guinea pig. I used to dance and my dad was like, it's missing an adjective and we think, or I think you're cool. So that's how the screen name came to be. And when I decided to make an account all about my embarrassment and rewriting that narrative, I decided to take back ownership of the screen name and turn it from something I felt shameful into something that I now believe is shameless. And so that's kind of the... Yeah, mirroring
0: of my personal experience in my screen name in this account. Oh my God. Bravo. Bravo. I just remember okay. I just remembered my screen name was actually Chica 769. Wow, Chica (laughs) 769. You won it. It was such a time. That was such a time for all of us. I love that. I love that you reclaim it. There weren't others before you that went for that screen name. Several. Probably 768. Who knows? I have no idea. But yeah, it was that was such a time in our lives. And I love, I love that origin story. I also love that you were in a gigantic flat in Amsterdam. That's like such a Dutch thing to do. I feel like to have an illegal (laughs) flat. And how long, like, I'd love to hear a little bit more about what was the process of like really struggling with the breakup to being like, wait a second, I'm going to like, I'm going to take this and turn it around.
1: Oh my gosh. Well, that breakup was like the big blindsiding breakup that you have once in your life, I think maybe twice. So that was, we had met in college, who was kind of my college romance that was very on again, off again, and very anxious avoidance now that I look back at it. And, but it took me a really long time to get over. I mean, I remember after the, I had left New York to go traveling in Southeast Asia for a few months and we had stayed together. And I was really positive that we were going to have a future together, so I really believed we yeah. would get married. I I thought it was the real whole thing, and I moved back after my trip. And then, close to, you know, pretty soon after I moved out back, he broke up with me. And it was again one of those moments where you're like, I can't believe it! I didn't see it coming. And I really struggled with the breakup. I was having panic attacks. I started medication to help manage those panic attacks. So it took a very long Time to get over that. And why did I start drawing about it? Well, I think I just started to draw about everything that was kind of embarrassing yeah. in my life. So, not just the breakup story, but about all these other things as well looking for work, you know, how I make decisions. It, it was a lot broader in the beginning. It wasn't so much focused on the taboo, mostly more like a personal diary. But it took me a really long time to. learn why that relationship didn't work. And a lot of that I did do through the account and through my art and my own, you know, development. So that eventually came.
0: Oh my God. I love that. Wow. That's amazing. It's such tough work, right? But what am like having a creative outlet to express it is I think so healing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think also if I look back a lot of the cartoons, um, maybe in the beginning they're way more self-deprecating and they were Mm. not victim, but also a bit blaming of men. And I think now my account's grown to be a bit more inclusive and also more nuanced.
0: Yes. (laughs) I love that. That's one of my favorite things about it. It's like very inclusive, very empowering. I would say for women while also being like, Hey, we're, we're still like in this relationship. We're still having sex together. Like you're a human. How can we do this together? It's really cool. And it's like, I know it's all about kind of closing that orgasm gap, which I love. We're going to get into that in a second. But it's not like taking pleasure away from men either. Does that make sense? Like, Yes, absolutely. I think it's about empowering women to
1: take space for their pleasure and then also educating men on how to meet women with where they're at and how to also kind of rise together. So I think it's uh, for... Everyone to kind of just be more sexually open and prioritize pleasure for their partners. Yes, yes
0: which I love. So, and one of I mean, I think sex is like one area of our relationship lives where we can really get to understand how we're showing up. And so, I'm not. I'm by no means an expert in the bedroom, <laughs> but yeah, what I love—we're all we're learning so bold to claim. Uh, the, the expert of the bedroom, yeah, <laughs> definitely, definitely not me. But it is just like a, it's an area that we can kind of examine and see, like, okay, how are we showing up? Are we able to communicate needs? Are we super closed off and like shutting down? I've definitely been through that phase in my life of like, mm-hmm. I'm like a stiff board, and I don't want to be doing this. So it's really cool. It's like a, I think a, a very powerful tool to to open up and see what's going on in in one area that can be kind of, you know, used to look at other areas of our lives as well. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And then you have on the other side, people that are very comfortable talking about their needs in the bedroom and then less in the actual
0: relationship part. Of yes. It. Yes. Ah, oh, yes. It's so true. Yeah. So there's a balance. Yeah. There's a balance. Okay. So let's talk about female pleasure. Why is this such a taboo topic? Like why is your account, quote unquote, so radical? Like Tell me more about that.
1: I think that we just never grew up to even learn about female pleasure. So mm-hmm. I would say that's probably a big part of it. Of course, religious backgrounds, bad sex education yeah, systems. I mean, we all learned about what is it? Wet dreams. We yes. all learned about wet dreams in sex ed, but we never knew that even women could have wet dreams. I had my first wow. wet dream when I was 23 and it like completely freaked me out. And I had no idea that this was a thing that you could experience. So I think just Mm -hmm. the fact that nobody really talks about female pleasure in the high school cafeterias, nobody's talking about female pleasure. They're all talking about who gave head to who or or handjob to whomever. So I think there was always a little less shame about talking about sexual activities when it came to maybe male pleasure. And the conversations were very focused, I think, around pleasing a man and not being intercourse, really being the way to have sex and not enough conversation about female pleasure. So of course that compounded over years, I think makes it very taboo. And still to this day, of course, like people don't know the anatomy of their genitals and uh, people misuse vulva and vagina. Nobody, people don't know where the clit is. People have never looked at their own clit before or their own vagina. So I think a lot of these things are reasons why it's still to this day
0: so taboo. So taboo, it's such a mystery. When I was pregnant, I learned, I can't even tell you how much I learned about my own anatomy. I had no idea. It was just like, imagine. Oh, wow. oh, that's what happened. And then I was in a, a birth class with someone and I can't remember. So I've been I picked up a book on family family planning. I love that that's like mm-hmm. the code word for like uh, understanding your cycle so that you can either get pregnant or not get pregnant. And that was like probably 7 years ago. And so in that book I remember I was reading about the cycle and understanding like when you're actually pregnant and your your ovulation phase, which is like 2 to 3 days, maybe 4 max, is when you're like fertile and like can get pregnant. But we just didn't we didn't know. And so I've had that information for a while, but I was in a birth class with another mom who was like, I'm really embarrassed to tell you this, but I just learned like literally last week. And she's like, you know, a mom in her thirties in San Francisco. Like (laughs) I just learned (laughs) that I didn't have to be on the pill the whole time because you can only get pregnant for a very short window. And I was like, Oh dang, that's, that sucks that you didn't know that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's so much we don't know. I mean, so much that I don't know. I had my eggs frozen earlier this year and I had no idea how it worked and the process. And you also learn so much. I feel like also when you're kind of just like faced with it. Yes. Like when you enter a pregnancy class and then you're like, oh, yep. I should learn
0: this. This is interesting. Yeah. <laughs> this is really... Oh, I have all these parts that we're like <laughs> talking about on the screen right now. <laughs> yeah. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. So a lot of what you are kind of bringing to life... In, do you call them cartoons? I call them drawing. Like what... what do I you call them mean? cartoons. They're cartoons. Okay. call them drawings. I love it. Okay. Drawings, cartoons. You are, I think, I feel like a lot of the mission behind it is closing the orgasm gap. So what is that and and how are you trying to help close it?
1: Yeah. So I think the mission in general is to create a shame-free world. I think when it comes to insecurities about relationships, the body and sexuality, and the way I choose to do that is by opening up these conversations, because I think by not talking about them, that's where shame is created and shame breeds more shame. And so by opening it up through laughter, I think is how we can solve for this. And but indeed, of course, a lot of my work is about female pleasure and to try and close the orgasm gap, which is the, as you of course, must know the disparity between how likely a woman is to have an orgasm with in a heterosexual relationship versus the man and how it's, I don't know off the top of my head. I'd have to look it up like the specific number. Yeah. Okay. Less than 30% of women. That's what it is. So it's a seven, whereas 90% of men normally do. Wow.
0: So that's a huge gap. Yeah. It's a huge gap. Yeah. (laughs) That's a very large gap. It's worse than I thought it was for sure. I'm glad we looked that up.
1: Yeah, so I think a lot of my work is indeed to help close that, both through educating women on, yeah, not being embarrassed to take up space in the bedroom, highlighting really wholesome encounters between men and women, showing that men are receptive to female pleasure and find it important, and also, you know, helping to teach men what women want and how we can better achieve an orgasm.
0: I love it. In such a fun, like approachable way.
1: Yeah. And I think that's super important because I think these subjects are really, can be uncomfortable. And especially if you have a strong opinion one way or the other, or you don't feel, I mean, a lot of men would say, oh yeah, but I please every woman I'm with. And I think that by using cartoons and humor, you make these subjects easier to disarm these kind of people and just open up a conversation with them as well.
0: Yeah. Do you have male followers? I'm so yes. curious. Yeah. Oh my god. Um, actually, I have quite a lot of. Well, f-
1: from what I like, for how I I see, I think it's quite a substantial amount of male followers. So I have about a little over twenty percent. Oh my god. Followers are men, and I think that's been growing definitely in the past three years. So I see a big trend on, and they're very engaged. And I think they ask a lot of questions. So men are definitely out there that want to learn how to be better partners in relationships in the bedroom and, (sighs) and also how to express their own desires. Cause men also don't have anyone to talk to about this stuff.
0: Very true. Very true. Oh my God. I remember I dated a guy whose sex education was like his dad turned a porno on. And I was just like,
1: There's oh my God. God. I can never imagine that. It's so Poor sad.
0: God. I know. I'm like, that'll fuck you up. <laughs> like, and I, I think it did, which is, yeah, there's a lot there. But <laughs> if that's like the education, if that's one of the ways that they are getting educated, I mean, there's just so much missing information there. Yeah, so, so much to unlearn. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that warms my heart. I'm so glad to hear that. Because I feel like you were literally like, the. what I love about your cartoons is that you're voicing like the, the really shameful, embarrassing parts that I would like, I'm always afraid to say. And it's like from dating to like literally being in the bedroom, like in a sex position, all of the things. But then you're also like in other cartoons, you're offering like, this is a way that you can say this, or like, here's a like a little script that you can use to, you know, sexily ask for what you want or let him know that like, yeah, I do want to date you. I'm not interested in like yeah. <laughs> pretending that I'm not interested in dating you, or beating around the bush, or waiting until you're gonna ask me out. Like here, I'm just gonna say it because I think I like you, and I I want to get to know you better, which is so cool. Yeah, I like to do the
1: combination of both. I think because I think being able to support people by sh- giving scripts or real examples of how these conversations can go, I think is really helpful. And empowering for them to use it. So whenever I do one like that, people often share like, oh, I did it.
0: So they use it. So that's really nice to oh see. My God. Oh, I love that. That's amazing. Are you, when you look back, Is this, are you shocked that like, this is kind of what you're doing with your life? I, I mean, Chica769 so. should be doing this. Yes, no, I'm kidding. <laughs>
1: yeah, Chica769 could definitely be doing this. <laughs> she, she likes to, she like to party. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always I've always been creative and I've always been really interested in sex and I've always made people feel awkward by bringing up questions or, or uncomfortable subjects. So I'm not surprised now that I'm here, but I don't think I would have expected it for me when I was younger. I mean, I've a- always been working as a creative director in the creative field, but I think it took me a really long time to form opinions. <laughs> period.
0: Yeah,
1: Like in life, I think I, I, I feel like it wasn't until I started this account, maybe even that I started to become kind of stronger, creative opinions, world opinions, maybe a little bit before, but you know, I don't feel like I f- had that in college. My, I didn't find my voice yet until I was a bit older yeah, and I know, uh, you're so like- happy with how it's um, grown and evolved and I'm couldn't be happier you know, to fully work in this space and try and make this, you know, my career and help people when it comes to their confidence and self-love. Yeah.
0: Oh, I love that. And now you're like literally going around Amsterdam on King's Day, putting up posters about the female orgasm gap. Like, holy shit. (laughs) Working
1: on this year's campaign. And I definitely want to do it in different places in Europe. That's
0: a big yeah, dream. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. You're gonna have to everyone listening, you're gonna have to go to the Instagram or probably on your website you have some photos too, I think. But yeah, you'll also, have to check out our Instagram to see the full story. But it's so good. I mean, what would like college version of Jessica say about this? Oh,
1: that's such a great question. What would college version? I think she'd be really proud. College version yeah. version of Jessica would be, I think I do this for her because I didn't know that I deserved pleasure. I didn't know that communicating a need was allowed. I didn't know that I so deeply didn't feel that I was deserving of love that I was also emotionally unavailable to a certain degree. So I think anyone in college could um, really benefit from vanilla guidance. And that's really why I'm here is you know to create the artwork and start the conversations that I wish were around when I was growing up
0: too. Oh yeah. I love that. I'm just, while you're talking, I just remember that actually my first sexual experience, like my first orgasm was from a man. And so I, and, and I was pretty young, but he, and he had already, God, we were so young, but he had already had sex before we got together, which is just a wild, but I remember thinking for so many years, I need a man to give me pleasure. Like I can't oh, do this. So
1: interesting.
0: Myself. Yes. Yes. And I was like, I wouldn't masturbate. I wouldn't self pleasure. Like it, it was. I don't know. I just thought it was like this thing that someone else had to give me. And then mm-hmm. when I discovered that I could just fully give myself pleasure, mm-hmm. I did it for days. I was like, okay, I gotta. I'm gonna miss class for like a full <laughs> week. Mm-hmm. I, I need to explore this. <laughs> so it's kind of like that plug were open.
1: Yeah, it's so fascinating, though. I think how how just based on our experiences changes the way we perceive oh. our sexuality in, within the world. you know, I was brought up and based on my experience to believe that you can't trust men to mm. give you an orgasm. My mom bought me my first vibrator and it was very wow. much like to take charge of your own pleasure and then to not put it in the hands of somebody else. And so wow. it's just funny that I never expected a man to give me an orgasm. I really wish I was actually just doing an interview about orgasms. And I I can't remember my first one with a partner. I mean, I'm sure I did. I'm sure I wasn't like in relationships where I never did, but it, it's really not coming to me. And I guess the whole point is it just wasn't about that. It wasn't really Mm. about the, the female orgasm. Yeah. 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 I I do remember like the very first time I thought, Oh yeah. Okay. This guy really knows what he's doing. And, uh, (laughs) that I do remember, but, but not like there had been partners
0: before him and I can't remember my orgasm experience. Wow. Wow. And does that, does that make you feel like it just didn't happen or that it like wasn't very important?
1: I think it probably just wasn't the focus. Yeah. And again, I, I think it wasn't to like anyone's fault, Yeah. you know, if I don't know that that should be a big part of it, and if they don't know that that should be a big part of it, right. then I understand how
0: we got there. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> We all, we all came here together, really. Yeah, we all came here together. Yeah. Or maybe we didn't come.
1: Yeah, that's very good exactly. point. <laughs> no, only half of us were coming here. Yeah. Yes.
0: <laughs> in a good way. In a memorable way. <laughs> yeah. It's wild. It's just so wild. I also like looking back to my sex education conversation, and I just want to like preface this by saying that. I had such young parents. Like they were my my parents had me when they were 19 and 20. So I know. They were just little tiny babies. So I don't think they were prepared for the sex talk. But the sex talk was literally it. I didn't know about pleasure. Yeah. At
1: 1920, period. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh my I mean
0: uh, (laughs) We were we were all young, I guess. I guess that's the moral of the story. But though a lot of cliches were involved. Don't give away the cow or don't give away the milk for free. And then that turned into a cow preference. <laughs> then they had a really strange analogy about our virginity being raviolis and you don't want to give away your raviolis. It was a very strange... Like I remember being in the car. I remember when it was happening. I remember being like, this is super fucking weird. And now as an adult, I'm like, what the fuck was that? There was no conversation <laughs> about pleasure, no conversation about like making sure that you're getting your needs met. Just none of that was involved in the conversation. It was very, very old school, I will say, which is, you know, I have pretty radical parents. That's so kind of shocking. Well, it's so good that they did the conversation. Yes. Great that they did the conversation. I have, I have some critiques. <laughs> 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 I think that probably conversation is always awkward for everyone. Please, so I will say yeah. that. But it's such a, like, that trajectory, like, kind of changed, I would say, the whole dynamic about, you know, slut shaming in high school mm. and then my relationship to sex and probably why I really like looked at my own self-pleasure as this very foreign thing that I needed mm, someone mm. else to give me. It's very bizarre.
1: Yeah. I don't know why I learned about self-pleasure. I can't, I can imagine it was like you happened upon it.
0: I would imagine that's what it was like for a lot of people. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You're like, yeah. Oh, the, shower, ch- the shower head feels good. What happens if I hold it very
0: longer? Yeah. Oh, I'm sure that's a story for a lot of people. (laughs) Probably. Yeah, for sure. I love it. Okay. So I have a lot of clients that are learning how to communicate, learning how to share their needs, and they have a lot of fears around this, a lot of stories, feeling like a burden, feeling like they're too needy. If They are really honest about what they want. Mm -hmm. And I'm so curious, like, what would you say is the first small step in the direction of sharing your needs in the bedroom? Oh, in the bedroom specifically. Uh Yeah. I
1: think you could even just start by asking what the other person likes or, you know, so to just to start the conversation by, yeah, asking if there's anything they want to try and hoping that they open up the conversation a little bit themselves. And then you can also share. Hopefully that creates a space for sharing. Some other things, you know, if they are already a bit more open, I really reference podcasts all the time. So, like, Mm. I heard on this podcast uh, that armpit looking is a thing. Should we try it out? Or I saw this cartoon. You know, I have people that say, Oh, I sent this to my boyfriend or I sent this to my partner. So, if you follow accounts and are able to send things and say, Shall we try this? I think that's also a playful. Or what do you think of this? You know, it also doesn't even need to be, should we try this? I also like the card games, like I think Let's Fucking Date is a good one, where it is like an intimacy deck, but there's other brands as well that have these kind of conversation starters that, you know, can be sexy and to kind of bring out your desires. That's also there's also card games like that that I think help on a greater relationship scale as well to be able to talk a bit more about your needs beyond the bedroom. Help us. Uh, I think just also realizing that what you are desiring is normal. And so to first Mm -hmm. not be embarrassed about it, because I think that's a big fear is that you share something and then somebody else shuts it down. And I think that can really, really fuck you up like if you have a really bad experience of period sex where a man is blaming you versus another guy who's like, no, I think that's really sexy. So it really depends on the, the partner. So I think if you can find a way to indeed listen to more podcasts or do a bit more research so that you feel like, okay, no, my needs are normal, or, you know, these are things that are important to me. And that way, you are secure within yourself, so that when you bring it up with a partner, it's not so much about your worth or or what they think. It's more okay. Do they want? It's more just a conversation. Like, are they interested yeah. in it or not? And that's also okay. And then I think the last thing, the most simple one, I guess, is just say, "Oh, you know, oh, I think it's really sexy when," or "Oh, I'd really love what you're doing there. Can you do it more? Can you do it here? Or that feels so good." you know, can you touch me here? And so like positive reinforcement uh, while shifting them to do what you want. I guess that's how I've mostly communicated it. But it is always a bit, can always be uncomfortable, especially when you're just starting out. And I think also something that's good to do is for women, especially to actually think about what they want in the bedroom. Mm -hmm. Because I mean, on the flip side of things, I think There are men that say, oh, what do you like? What do you want? And then women that have no idea and that freeze in that moment. So it is also good to get more familiar with yourself and think, okay, what do I want? What is there to do? Pleasure is this endless spectrum and rabbit hole that you can go down. So just having small curiosities,
0: I think, help equip those conversations. I love that. That's huge. I love that. I love the idea of just being like, here, check out this post, check out this podcast. What do you think about this? Like, it's getting their buy in without having to be like, I need you to do this. You know what I mean? It's not, exactly. it's like an option. It's, it's like kind of bringing into them, con- into the conversation, creating consent around it, that type
1: of thing. Yeah. I think Esther Perel also has something where you both, where it's like every day you get something and, or it's like there's a map like a match system you and your partner yeah. both like an idea and then it's if if it's a match
0: it sends it to both of
1: you something like that. Yeah,
0: cute. I love that. Awesome. Yeah, she I think she oh, she also has games too. Just to like yeah. get to know each other, which is a, an intimate way, a more like less kind of like bedroom sexy time but like an intimate way to get to know each other if that's what yeah. you think. Know. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess it all spills over. Yeah. What is um? Let's fucking what? Let's fucking date. Is that what you said? The card deck?
1: Oh, it's um. Yeah, Serena Kerrigan, I think, created a deck. Indeed, there's like I think there's also one. Let's fucking fuck, and it's that one would be specifically for the bedroom. <laughs> love so these kind of intimacy games. I think there's a lot of different ones out there that I've
0: used myself it's to so fun. open up conversations. Yeah. Oh, I love it. That's awesome. <laughs> How did the armpit licking go? It's like fine. I <laughs> powered first. <laughs> okay. And that is how I brought it
1: up. You know, I said, wow, I have like all these people submitting to me on vanilla and that they've been asked or they ask people to like their armpits. So it's a thing. And I think my boyfriend at the time was like, okay, clean or dirty. And I was like, that's a really good question. I did not, um, get clarity on, but we went with the clean approach. And Okay. I mean, it's, I understand why it could be a thing. It's a sensitive area, but yes. it wasn't a hundred percent. Like I'm not obsessed with armpit looking now.
0: Okay. Okay. But you tried it. I love that. I, I love it. that he was the opening try. willing. Try it all. Yeah. Try if, it all. If you, want, if you want. You never know. You might be into something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> okay. So how do you keep vulnerable and honest bedroom talk sexy? I feel like that, that is like a constant question that I'm getting from clients. Like they're kind of in, in the act, mm-hmm. something's happening. They want to use the things that you just said of like, oh, I like it when you touch me there, or like do it more here. And they just get stuck. Like they're literally like fr- frozen. So I'm curious, like, what would you like, any thoughts about like how to just get the first word out?
1: Maybe not during sex. So Ooh. I think, I think that if you're in with a partner that It could be after you've had sex. It could be before you're in the bedroom. I think that we think these conversations are going to be uncomfortable, but then obviously talking about sex can also just be sexy in of itself. So I can imagine depending on what you want to say to the person that it can be difficult to do in the moment, especially if you're not getting kind of what you want, maybe, but... I mean, I think I've even had to tell people like, oh, just so you know, I don't necessarily have an orgasm from intercourse. Like you may not know that. And so these are the things that I like. Maybe we can incorporate it also into the bedroom. That's easier to sometimes do after or maybe not in the moment itself.
0: Mm, Nice. I love that. How to
1: keep it sexy. Uh, I don't know. I don't think it has to be not sexy. I think it also should just be like a positive thing. And you're both uh, in this to. You want to please your partner. So wouldn't you also want to know like all of the things that are going to make you a great lover for them. And so you would hope that they also want the same. I think it's also the like egos and insecurities that kind of get in the way of this. And that's something that you can't really control. But of course, by giving
0: positive feedback first or sandwiching it, then I think it's possible. Oh, love a good sandwich. Love a good sandwich. You know what? Feed it to them slowly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) In a positive way that they're going to react to in a loving, honest way. (laughs) I love that. I love what you just said too about focusing on their pleasure because I noticed a huge shift for me when I was receiving pleasure of, or like I was more able to receive when I was actually able to give more. I don't know if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, I think it's like creating this safe space where...
0: Yeah, you both feel taken care of or prioritized
1: maybe? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it's so like, I never would have thought that like giving would actually change the way that I receive, but it totally radically did. Like Mm -hmm. it's so, it's so fun. I'm really into it. Me too. That's my favorite thing. I love that. (laughs) Okay. So I'd love to hear about just like your favorite, if you have them, like your favorite vanilla cool dances, like top three.
1: My favorite vanilla
0: cool dances. Yes,
1: yeah. just like, I is she is she
0: you like is
1: she? Yeah, she's like my alter
0: ego. Yeah, your alter ego, or yeah. she's a part
1: of me. Yeah, the most confident yeah. part of me. But what do you mean the my top three like cartoons? Oh, just like your
0: are... yeah, your favorite cartoons like any oh, any of your top three? Oh my god! I any know. How do you pick your cartoon? favorite? I know it's kind of unfair. You don't have to if you don't want to. But
1: <laughs> I can't pick a favorite. I love the street art campaigns mostly because I think it's really fun to hijack these big holidays for different subjects about female pleasure and female rights. So I find that really fun. I think the you know the ones that have had the most impact this past year the one that was the most successful post was where I did give women ideas for what to say when a guy says what do you like or what do you want. And I think that Performed really well. And I think that's because, indeed, like women need ideas and yep. men are also like, yes, here's some answers. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> yeah. so I think that was a really fun post to make. And I want to do more of those as well, also for his side. But I think the last fun, most fun ones to make and my favorite ones are the ones that I think make the most impact and that people resonate the most with and, uh, yeah, help use to make a your life for themselves.
0: Yes, I love that. I'm pretty sure I bookmarked that post. It was <laughs> very, I'm I sure. I think I, I said
1: bookmark this post. So
0: there you <laughs> go. <laughs> I follow directions. <laughs> and if I'm not mistaken, it's like literally just cartoons of them in like different, like those actual different positions. Is that right? Yeah, also,
1: yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. Another one of my favorites was. Different ways to like receive, like get head as a woman, yes. like, and the yes. different, just like here is on the bed, here's you sitting on their face, here's you in a chair, and it was just like, oh my god, this
1: is so, so fun many, I, so many ways, yeah. But yeah. those, it is hard though because there is a lot of censorship, so these are always a bit scary to post. But yeah, just also the basics, like different sex positions. You know, just showing people what to do and making little bucket lists for them, I think is fun. And also that's a great thing to show your partner.
0: Great thing to show your partner. Yeah. Speaking of content to just share with them. This is a great thing. Just go find (laughs) it. Maybe I'll maybe I'll reshare it this week, but (laughs) just go find that post and and be like, hey, what do you think about this? I'd love to do this. I'm interested in this. This would be fun. Which ones
1: have we not done?
0: Let's make a weekend of it. Yeah. Yeah. Super fun. Anything else you kind of feel like needs to be said about closing that orgasm gap or female pleasure?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, uh, maybe one thing is I definitely went from not really knowing I was meant to have any pleasure to then really being angry when I didn't get it. And then really being like, I would say even kind of a bitch in the bedroom if the guy wasn't showing any Prioritization of my pleasure. So, I think on your way to closing the gap, remember that there's a lot of different reasons why. So, I try to now bring more empathy into the situation. Maybe they're insecure about their oral sex skills, which then they do need to uh, improve on and still need to practice. Or maybe they had an experience where their former partner really didn't want oral sex because they didn't feel comfortable with it. So, now they don't give oral sex. So, I think. Indeed, by just being able to start these conversations with their par- your partner, even before you get in the bedroom to kind of, yeah, talk a little bit about pleasure. I think that helps. And also then to just realize that, you know, hopefully they do care about your pleasure and and maybe they just don't know how best to give it. And then, and then if they really don't, then they're an asshole.
0: And that's there you it. go. Many
1: <laughs> then you know. Always- but then you know, then you've at least given them a shot. Yep. I probably also like didn't give some guys a shot because I was immediately like, okay, what
0: think, the fuck? Uh, I'm out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I feel like that's an important part of the journey, and I'm sure other people really resonate with that. It's interesting. So I help clients move kind of, you know, an insecure attachment type to secure and One of the things that happens oftentimes for more anxious leaning folks is they will swing dismissive avoidant. And that kind of reminds me of that swing Mm -hmm. of like, Mm -hmm. once you realize you, you can have this thing, then you get angry when you can't have it or like when you're not having it, as opposed to before where you were just like, okay, cool. This is, you know, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really interesting point. Yeah. It's just so, it's cool to see the swing. And also realize we're like, there's, you know, a medium that we're trying to get to Mm -hmm. with empathy and generosity, which I love those two things that you're talking about. Yeah, definitely. That really resonates with me and what you're saying about the like swinging. Oh my God. (laughs) I have tried to so many anxious people that are like, well, I used to be like, really, I just, you know, would hang out with friends all the time. And now I'm like... Kind of like this independent kind of lone wolf, and I'm like, yep, mm-hmm, this is a totally normal part of the journey. You're on the right track. You're doing it right. <laughs> but there's, you know, the the lone wolf stage is like the not the end stage. So we're trying to get to uh, interesting.
1: Yeah, to sharing, yeah.
0: sharing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh my god, thank you so much for being here today. This has just been amazing. I would love to hear. Can you share with listeners how they can follow along with what you're up to and how they can get in touch with you?
1: Absolutely. Well, Vanilla Cool Dance is my Instagram, and that's probably the best place to find me.
0: Amazing! I love it. Very simple, very easy.
1: Highly recommend. I'm also I'm Vanilla Cool Dance is also on TikTok. Um, Oh, hello! Growing that uh, account this year too. So stay tuned. I'm not very active yet, but it will be picking up. (laughs) And um, VanillaCoolDance.com if you're interested in merchandise or learning more about the street art campaigns
0: or workshops. Nice. What kind of workshops do you do?
1: I do. It's like sexy art therapy workshops. So, and mostly I haven't done them one on one. Mostly I do them for events or organizations or conferences. But it's where you find your own alter ego, your own vanilla cool dance character, and then bring her to different
0: situations. Oh my god, it's so fun! I think yeah, it's really fun. Sixty nine would like to go to a different (laughs) situation. (laughs) It's very cool. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for being here today. Yeah. Thank you for inviting me.
1: This is really excellent. I really enjoyed our conversation and getting to know you better as well.
0: Oh my God. Same. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I really hope you enjoyed. I also hope that you immediately go follow Vanilla Cool Dance on Instagram. I highly recommend it. She's amazing. It brings just joy to my life and I reshare her content all the time in my stories. So if you're following me or her, you'll probably see her work. (laughs) If you are interested in creating a secure attachment style so that you're showing up in a loving, supportive, and honest way, both with yourself and in relationships with others, you might be dating, you might be single, you might be already in a committed partnership. Whatever it is, whatever stage of a relationship you are in, I'd love to work with you. If you're in a couple or if you are a couple, I'd love to work with you. I really want to help you to get just understand those patterns that are holding you back from really having a supportive and safe relationship, really the like the relationship that you wish you had. Like I want to help create that for you in a really doable, manageable way and baby little steps that your little subconscious that is running the show for all of us can handle. Because I really, that is my goal is to help you transform. So if you're interested in finding out more about this, you can book a free discovery call. And this, in this call, it's a really like zero pressure situation. I'm just trying to help you understand your attachment style patterns. And then I'll share about my program You can decide if it's the right fit for you. I'm just trying to help get you to an answer. I'm really not trying to get you to yes. And it's super fun because I get to connect with you. So I'd love to see you there. You can book a call at sarahcohan.com forward slash coaching. That's S-A-R-A-H-C-O-H-A-N.com forward slash coaching. I very much look forward to seeing you there. And if I don't see you there, I hope to see you back here next week. Thank you so much.